Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome to Fitzanne's Property Exchange. Yes, it's that time of the month we are focusing on taxes. This is the time when everyone scratches around and in a flurry, getting all their documents, certificates, everything that's needed to prepare their annual tax returns. How is this going to affect your property investment? Today, I'm not talking just to one, but to two distinguished gentlemen that are absolute masters in the field of taxes. Firstly, welcome to Jerry Buerta. He's the managing partner of Tax Consulting South Africa, which is the largest independent tax practice in South Africa, with, believe it or not, 140 full-time employees. He has over 25 years' experience in the field of taxation, especially international tax, and daily deals with complex multi-jurisdictional tax matters, SARS audits and litigation. He holds his own FSEA license and he is a master reward practitioner and has served on the executive of the South African Reward Association, SARA, that being more than, ten, more than a decade. He also chairs the SARA Employee Benefit Committee and he is a certified payroll practitioner and, of course, a tax practitioner. Welcome, Jerry. Awesome. Let me introduce you to Scott Picken. He is the founder and CEO of Wealth Migrate. He's a published author, wealth movement pioneer, and serial fintech entrepreneur. Backed by more than 20 years global real estate investment, technology, and business leadership experience, he is passionate about providing real estate investors access to global markets. The transformative power of financial technology blockchain, reinventing wealth, collaborative smart investing TM, and creating global wealth for all. Good morning, Scott. Welcome, Pearl, and thanks very much to all your listeners. I look forward to adding some value. I hope you guys are ready because I'm sure you're going to provide a vast um, amount of information that my clients need. So let's kick off. Let's start off with a scenario. A client approaches me and asks me about property investment and tax implications they should be aware of. How should I answer my client? Which taxes are applicable and what should he or she consider when purchasing a property for investment properties, uh, for investment purpose? The property, property would typically be rented out to tenants. Jerry, you'd like to respond? Thank you, Paul. Uh, so... Different type tax types come into play. Uh, there's normally there's obviously tax that you have to pay when you when you buy the property or acquire it or make the investment. Uh, there's tax you have to pay whilst you rent out, and there's tax that you have to pay normally when you when you exit the property that you've invested in. So normally when you buy a property, uh, you'll either pay transfer duty, uh, and transfer duty normally applies. To, well, you either pay transfer duty or you'll pay VAT. Uh, 
you, 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 it, it's a choice. It's not a choice. It depends on the structure that you've got, whether it's transfer duty or VAT. And transfer duty obviously applies only on a property above a, above one million. So up to a property of one million, there's no transfer duty. And above that, it, it basically goes up all the way to 13%, which is quite a lot on a mm -hmm. property above 11 million. Uh, and in terms of VAT, VAT is, of course, 15%, but normally you can claim the VAT back. And you can also have a zero-rated VAT in certain instances. Uh, but I'm not going to deal with, with the VAT consequences because that's quite detailed, those rules. So those are okay. the costs you have to pay when you acquire the property. And then if you rent it out, uh, it depends how you've acquired the property, how that rental income will be taxed. So if you rent it out, if you acquired the property in your own name, then, then the rental profit, which will obviously be your rental income, less expenses that you have that you can claim against that rental profit, you will have to, to declare that in your tax return. You'll have, you have to be registered as a provisional taxpayer. It doesn't change the fact that your employer must still withhold pays you in from your normal salary uh, or, 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 other fee, or other income that you've got from employment. Um, but that is, that's an extra income and it's taxed on your tax return. And it will depend all on whether where you fall on the tax table uh, with the tax rates pretty much ranging from 18% to 45% in South Africa. And then when you sell the property, uh, then you have to pay capital gains tax. And capital gains tax is, of course, on the profit that you've made and the value of the sale. So you normally will pay that on the difference between what you paid for the property and and what you sold it for. And obviously, you can claim all sorts of costs against that. So it's only really okay, I don't, I don't want you to. I don't want you to elaborate too much because we're yeah. going to go in, into depth with that a little later. So, in other words, in in essence, the taxes you pay is initially when you buy the property in the form of transfer taxes, whilst you own the property to declare your additional income, and then once you sell the property, the capital gains tax portion. Is that correct? But that's absolutely correct. And then perhaps one can just add that you must also consider estate duty consequences. Uh, just repeat that. I didn't. You must, you also, must consider also consider what? You must also consider estate duty consequences, uh, because okay. that will often determine what vehicle you might want to buy it into. And you must also consider the nation's tax consequences. So, if you buy, for example, a property that you want to give to your to to uh, a, a, a child to go. Uh, uh, to stay in and when, when they finish studying. And as an inheritance. As an inheritance. Actually, inheritance is on death. Uh, donations taxes whilst you're still alive. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So that's, a, that's the difference between the two. That's the difference, yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Learning every day. Okay. So you've touched on this topic. Um, in which entity, if any, should an investor buy a property? or a holiday home, or a second uh, property, would you suggest that it be registered in a company, in a private name, in a trust? W what would be the best option? What advice could you give our, our clients in this regard? Yep. Well, it's such an important question, and unfortunately, it's not one size fits all. Okay. Um, so by far, the, the cheapest way normally to acquire a property would be in your own name. Uh, that normally is the cheapest to acquire it and the cheapest to just run the property through the investment life cycle because you don't have the costs of a company or a trust 
to maintain for the whole period. But I think there are many instances in which buying a, a, a property through a company and you just hold shares in that company makes a lot of sense. And there are a lot of instances where you really should set up a trust uh, to to acquire the property. And I think the 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 technically correct benchmark to use is if somebody advises you to to put it into a company or put it into a trust, you should inquire why do they recommend that? Why do they recommend you incurring that extra cost and that extra compliance obligation for having it in a company and a trust? And then if they can if they can explain that to you, that will often then explain why it makes sense to incur that extra cost uh, to perhaps have the growth of the property outside your estate uh, for a state duty planning perspective, uh, or perhaps just be simply more tax efficient. Uh, the most basic example of that is that if you have a company and you buy a property in a company that you rent out, your profit at, at, on that is at least, is only taxed at 28%. And of course, one March 2022, that's going to come down to 27%. That's before you declare a dividend to yourself. But just in a company, it's only 27% as opposed to 45% in your own name. I think if you earn just above 1.6 million per year. So those are just examples why it can't be one size fits all. And I've pretty much explained the, the, the three main categories you have. I am sure my listeners are going to have much more questions. So at the end of this recording, um, I'm definitely going to ask you how they can get hold of you um, if they require more information on this. So we've talked about capital gains tax, and I think there's a lot of misperception. I get that every day when properties are sold and sellers say, but you never told us about this additional um, tax liability. How does capital gain tax work? Thank you, Paul. So I think the first point where the misconception happens is that capital gains tax is not a separate tax in South Africa. Uh, capital gains tax is actually only the how you calculate the percentage of your gain that you include in your personal tax return. So as an example, if you if you bought a property for for a million and you sell it for 1.1 million clean profit, you've made a hundred thousand rand capital gain on that property. That's assuming that you're, you're not speculating with the property, which is more, which is, which is a different discussion. So of that hundred thousand, if you've bought it in your own name, 40% of that hundred thousand is 40,000. And that gets included in your own name under income tax. And then if you fall into the 45% tax bracket, then you pay capital gains tax of 45% on that 40,000, and that is 18,000, and sorry, 180,000, and no, sorry, it's 18,000 in that example, and that is effectively your, your income tax that you pay on the capital gain that you've made. So on 100,000 profit, the effective capital gains tax rate, so it's not the capital gains tax rate, it's the effective capital gains tax rate, the real tax that you have to pay over is 18% if you fall in the 45% bracket. And of course, if you fall within the within the, within the the 18% tax bracket, you will only pay 18% times 40,000. 
okay, so this is this is the tax you are liable for when it's in your mm. private name, depending on in what bracket you fall. If this property yes. was in a company's name, the tax liability would be less. If it's in a company name, the, the tax liability will be slightly more um, because okay. the inclusion rate in a company is 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 a is a higher inclusion rate. Uh, okay. So so in a, in a in a in a company you 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 effectively sit with the eighty percent inclusion rate, uh, which is higher than the individual inclusion rate. So even though the corporate tax rate is only twenty seven percent and not forty five percent, your your inclusion percentage at a corporate tax level is is higher. So you always when you buy a property, it's just a fact. If you buy it in a company, your effective capital gains tax rate, the real capital gains tax that we charge on that property will be higher in a company than in your personal name. Okay. And in a trust, it's even worse. Oh, okay. So what I would like to know is the following. I bought a property 20 years ago. It cost me 500,000 Rand. In the meantime, I rented out this property. I received rental. I have declared my income to SARS every year with my annual tax returns. But there was a lot of expenses. I paid interest on my bond. Uh, there was quite a few special levies or additional contributions in, in the sectional title scheme I had to pay. I spent thousands of rands on improving the property, throwing out the old carpets, putting in tiles. And now I'm selling this property for 800,000. I've increased the value. So the capital gains tax is calculated on the 300,000 profit I make. Are there any of the expenses I've paid over the years that can be deducted or that would influence that tax liability? So the, you need to distinguish between the expenses that you incurred in buying the property and selling the property and the expenses that you've incurred in renting out the property. So all the expenses that you've claimed in your annually in your tax return when you rent out the property those would typically your 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 bond interest component, your levies, your special levies, uh, agents' fees. It can even include, you know, if you had to fly to Cape Town or to Joburg to 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 to, to look at the property. It can include mm -hmm. any expense that you've incurred in ensuring that you've earned your rental income. That you can that that is part of your expense structure that you claim when you. Okay, so in other words, you actually receive the benefit of those expenses in your annual tax returns, but not necessarily when you when you sell the property. Correct. When you sell the property bill, that is when you will claim all the expenses that you've incurred when you bought the property and all the expenses that you've claimed in selling the property. And something okay. we offer right. is, is especially people that has bought a property 20 years ago, they haven't kept all those receipts of that acquisition cost. And then obviously mm -hmm. we've got sometimes the odd client that 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 has that has made quite so so if you repair stuff during the year, you could definitely claim that. that that's and that that you have to claim annually. Okay. Spot on. Spot on. So but if so if no one has advised you, that's lost cost or lost benefit rather. 
that's lost benefit, or you can always try and open up those prior year tax returns. You know, not many years ago, you could normally go back three years, but that's the max. Yeah, okay. All right, so if a property is co-owned, there's more than one owner in their private names, how would they, de how would they treat the rental income and capital gains ta um, for tax purpose? Is the cost just shared between yes. the different <laughs> registered owners? So, well, normally it will follow the share the, the shareholding structure, except if the two shareholders specifically agree to come up with a different split. Okay, so, but that has example, to be per written agreement. Absolutely, and the the reason what a lot of uh, uh, there's just so much disinformation around that is. In South Africa, when it comes to tax, you are guilty until you are, you can prove your own innocence. Or SARS mm -hmm. is correct, except if you can prove the contrary. So if you, for example, agree with your friend to buy a property, and the deal is all along that your friend will, will manage the property and do certain work on it, and because of that, they get some of that rental, you know, more of the rental than you. You need something in, in writing to prove that ownership. That agreement, yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, my next question. Um, we You mentioned previously uh, a deduction. This is now on your annual return, not on the capital gains um, end, um, that you can deduct your mortgage payment. I don't think that's quite correct. Um, no, is it rather the interest? The bond interest, yeah. Interest. Okay. So let's get that clear. You can deduct, but only the interest portion, not the actual bond payment. Well, yeah, I think the, the, the bond payment perhaps more more aptly put has got normally an interest component and a capital component to it. And the interest component you can always deduct, but the capital repayment component you cannot deduct that for tax. And the bank could issue a tax certificate every year uh, where it basically shows the interest that was paid on that bond, and that is what you need to use to claim as a tax deduction. All right. Um, can we perhaps talk a little about property tax, rates and taxes? Um, well, I'm obviously, annually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let, let's see. Let's see if we can do this together. Um, I know that the local municipalities do a kind of an evaluation structure around and about April, May of each year, and then owners have the um, uh, opportunity to either contest the evaluations, etc before it gets implemented by June or July of each year. Um, have you had any experience in, in, in advising property owners how to contest the evaluations done by local municipalities? Or am I placing you on a tight spot here? Well, easy answer. I've got absolutely zero experience in that. And you cannot pay me enough money to go through that painful process. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that, that's a very honest answer. Scott, could you perhaps assist me? I, I, I can't either. You know, it's um, <laughs> our whole business is based on finding and working with partners like Jerry, and so it would be our partners on the ground that would be we would be handling that, not ourselves. 
Okay, awesome. Now, you, you, you are quite right. It is a rather painful process. And it's like fighting over a hundred rand. Your property tax on a sectional title property is 250 rand and it's increased to 350 rand per month. Is it really worthwhile fighting this? But yes, um, at the end of the day, I think every rand or every hundred rand makes a difference. So yeah, let's uh, try this for our next, next podcast. Get someone to assist us with contesting local municipality evaluations. Great. Um, please explain the difference between the primary home and having a second, third or any other properties. Yeah, I think your 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 primary home is the place where you normally or ordinarily reside. And the only the reason why that's important, but it's a big reason, is that if you own that primary home in your own name, not if you have it through a company and not through a trust, there's limited instances if you've got a special trust, but just if it's normally in your own name, you can claim when you sell the property, the first two, two million rand of your profit that you make on the sale of the property will be exempt from capital gains tax. So okay. first two million, you say. Correct. So that's a okay. huge reason why having a property in your own name normally makes way more sense than having it through a company or a trust because the first two million rand of profit you escape capital gains tax on that when you own it. But you only can claim it if you stayed in it is in your primary residence. So in your first example, if you've had it for 20 years, 10 years I rented it out, 10 years I stayed in it, you will only get 1 million rand exemption. Oh, uh, okay. All right. If you own that property 50-50 with somebody else, you will both only get 500,000 exclusion. Two of yours combined will, will add up to the million or the two million if you stayed in the property, let's say with your with your with your spouse, uh you joint owners of the property, then it would be two million and each will get a half of that as an example. All right. Okay. I want to ask a naughty question. Um if I did rent out my property but I still stayed there, I rented out only a portion of the property, say for example a room or a granny flat or anything to that effect. But I've not declared this additional income. Um, is there some way that that this can come out, or how would SARS deal with this? Do they check bank statements for additional income, or or what? What what would your recommendation be? Walk the straight path and declare the additional income. Well, my, I mean, the only thing we, we advise and we always advise that is you declare correctly and then you maximize your expenses that you legally can claim. Um, okay. All right. SARS Good advice. Knows, Good advice. You know, SARS knows a lot of guys that's not declaring their, their second properties. Uh, they've set these teams out that draw data in terms of how many properties are registered on people's names. So where there's more than one property, they want to know why. And if SARS now audits you, especially at the high net worth level, uh, they don't they don't play around with questions. They go straight for bank accounts. They say, how many bank accounts you have and where? And we want to see those details. 
Um, I do, I do think there's a lot of 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 non-compliance with that. Uh, and I mean, I think if you obviously rent out a room and get somebody to give you a small amount per cash, it's very very difficult to to to, to deal with that from a sales audit perspective. But I mean, if you've yeah, been renting yeah. out a property or a room on on Airbnb or advertise it on a on some other platform, you know, to rent, you you create an audit trail. And these days with technology, whatever you do on the internet, uh, it it never forgets. So I would I would be quite cautious to to if 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 I were the the level of participant that participates in in your podcast to build a business case and create wealth and make good investments on the basis of 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 non-compliance with tax. We often say I, I don't the dog. I totally agree, but you have to realize in, in the industry, that is the questions we are being asked. And then you sit with what should you advise? And I always say, do the right thing, then you don't have anything to worry about. Well, Paul, for us, ideal client, if, if somebody comes to us and they just want planning, their, their mindset of what they pay for good advice is completely different once they've get audited and they're faced with a big penalty, interest, and potential criminal charge as part of the process. Uh, and this is yeah. now a criminal offence. So even if you made an innocent mistake, it's still a criminal offence. So you can tell your clients if they feel slightly uncomfortable with your advice to not, um, to not declare it, they should do as they think is wise. But uh, if they could get into big trouble, we we we're the best to help them from there. Okay, um, Jerry, thank you so much for that. We have exhausted, I think, point zero zero two of the wealth of your knowledge. So there has to be much more. And uh, like I said previously, our clients will definitely want to know where to get hold of you in order to advise them on several matters pertaining tax, Scott. From you, I'd like to know, with regards to tax, many people are also looking to invest through technology platforms. I have to admit, I'm not familiar with that or don't understand that quite well, but you will explain. And this is a lot safer and simpler than doing it all on your own. How does this change the tax? Or rather, first explain um, what platform of investment is this? Yeah, Paul, it's really interesting uh, while I've been sitting quietly listening to Jerry and yourself talking about tax. You know, I bought my first property when I was 22 years old in Cape Town and my first London property when I was 24. So many of the questions that you've been asking, I've had to experience and learn the hard way. And I think for most investors, investing in property full stop is overwhelming. There are so many costs and expenses and taxes and things that people don't understand. And really what what's interesting is that if you take the average property, there's actually 16 different middlemen between the person buying the property and, and the actual property. And what's fascinating with, with what technology does is that it cuts out the middlemen, it cuts the costs, and it dramatically increases the trust, the transparency, and the accessibility. So if you take someone like Jerry, we basically, I'm, I'm not an expert on tax. I'm not going to sit here and try and say, you know, I, I could speak it, you know, I could probably the 0.2% that Jerry's uh, mentioned, I, I, I couldn't even talk 10% 10, 10 of that 0.2%. And the point being is that our job is not to know everything about every market and every country. Our job is to find the top 
partners, the most respected authorities in those markets, and then allow the investors to be able to get access to those um, partners. So to come back to your question, how, how do we help people invest? Uh, in simple terms, you've got good quality partners on the ground. They bring you know, quality opportunities. They've got long-term track records. As an example, in Cape Town, we've just launched, most people in Cape Town will know a gentleman called John Robbie. Um, he basically is the man behind Century City and many other big developments in mm -hmm. South Africa. You know, we've just launched a project with him where you know, rather than having to you know, buy a unit from him retail on the, you know, at the end of the value chain, you can actually partner with him directly in an investment opportunity. Now, whether you want to do that in Cape Town, South Africa, or whether you want to do that in Portugal, Europe, technology now allows you the opportunity to, to invest alongside him in his deals. Okay. Um, in your opinion or in your experience, if one wants to invest globally outside South Africa, where would the best opportunity be at this point in time? <laughs> That's a, a very open-ended question. I actually wrote a book in 2014 that was endorsed by Clem Sunter called Property Going Global. People can just go find it, propertygoingglobal.com. And I analyzed about mm -hmm. 20 different countries. And um, the reason that Clem Sunter endorsed it was that I created a four-dimensional model because the problem is with, with your question is that a lot of people will make a decision based on gut feel or based on what their friends or family are, are telling them. So there's, it's, it's a much deeper question. You know, which countries are you looking to achieve within those macro you know, opportunities you've started, got, you've got to get micro. So let's just say hypothetically you say, right, I want to go to America. Well, that's great, but where do you start? There's 300 cities in America. And once you get down to which state and which city, you've got to get down to which partner and ultimately down to even which deal. And all of these impact the questions you've been asking today around mm -hmm. taxes, etc. So the simple way that I answer it is that if people are looking to leave South Africa from an investment perspective, there tends to be four destinations that they focus on. Australia, England, Europe, and America. And the reason being is that they want three things. They want wealth protection, they want a plan B, and they want peace of mind. And our, you know, our philosophy through our platform is really to follow one of the wealthiest men in the world. And, and in my opinion, one of the best people to follow is a guy called Ray Dalio. And the best way to do it is to actually diversify across countries, across assets, across as, uh, currencies, and across partners. And so to answer your question, I personally would rather have my investments in America, in England, in Europe and Australia than all my eggs in one basket, be they in South Africa or in America or in England. Um, it's very wise to diversify. Great, great, great advice. Thank you so much for that. So um, with regard to um, the future for uh, investors, tax and structuring thereof, I know you said you're not the tax expert. How can tech help investors? Well, I think the simple thing that the tech does is that we all trust tech to go to a restaurant. We all go on holiday using tech from a social proofing perspective. We, you know, we, we catch an Uber, you know, with, and, and we allow people to stay in our houses using an Airbnb. Where we, where we effectively trust the crowd, we trust our peers to be able to give us good advice. I believe two things are going to happen. You can take someone like Jerry, that's one of the leading, if not the leading um, consultant or authority in South Africa on tax, 
And so what tax allows you to do is rather than Googling around and, you know, if you put tax into Google, probably, you know, a thousand people will come up. But how do you know the difference between Jerry, that's the authority with an entirely a nice big team behind him that can deliver a solution to the to the investors or some little accountant that's in Porfider that really has no idea? And, and tech, tech can provide you with that solution. Tech, tech enables you to not only hear from Jerry today, but now anyone in South Africa can participate and get hold of his company. And so for me, what's exciting is that you not only can do that in South Africa, but you can scale around the world and you can deal with, with those type of authorities in all the different markets. I also believe that at another level, we're going to get down to where partners and deals will also be verified and vetted and their digital track record will be apparent. And if, and if an investor invests with a partner and he says that you're going to get a 10% return, I'm just keeping it simple, and he consistently gives you a 10% return, then you know in the future there's a good chance you're going to get a 10% return. And just like when you go on a holiday and your peers have, have socially proofed it and you know that you're going to have a, a good holiday, I believe that the future of investing, it'll put the power back in our hands to not only get the right partners like Jerry um, from, a, from an understanding, tax structuring and all of that, but equally it'll give you the right partners on the ground where you can get access to good quality opportunities and good quality partners. And, and if you do that, then ultimately we're going to put wealth in the hands of every individual. That's what we want, the wealth part. But it sounds like we need to do some homework and you are the first guys we need to go to. So Jerry and Scott, let's start with Jerry. If my listeners want to get hold of you regarding tax queries, how do they get hold of you? Thank you, Paul. Uh, the best to get hold of me is on my email. Uh, and I'm, I'm generally as a team, we're quick responsive. It's Jerry, it's J-E-R-R-Y at uh, tax consulting which is t-a-x consulting c-o-n-s-u-l-t-i-n-g dot c-o dot z-a uh, or you can just go to our web address www.taxconsulting.co.za and contact us through there we we love to help thank you all right so scott i have a million rand available i'd like to invest that globally where do I get hold of you to seek the best advice? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Look, the simple thing is, is go to our website, uh, wealthmigrate.com. So the word wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, and then migrate, like birds migrate, M-I-G-R-A-T-E.com. You will find all the information there. You can literally sign up on the platform. You can deal with one of our wealth consultants uh, to help you through the process. And literally, you can invest you know, online and you can manage your global investments online. There's no tax, there's no structuring, there's no bank accounts. Everything is managed digitally. And as I said, we've got partners like Jerry that can assist people at an individual capacity to do it as efficiently as possible. Um, but yeah, it's quite exciting, you know, Pearl. And, and you know, equally, there's other resources if you, if you want to Google uh, myself. Um, there's quite a lot of resources that are out there, including our Wealth University which is wealthuniversity.org, which is a learning platform for people that want to get started. Uh, just by the way, you don't need a million rand to get started. You can start with $1,000. Awesome. Gentlemen, I can't tell you how much I appreciated this. You definitely cleared up quite a few questions I had, and I'm sure my listeners benefited by this as well. Ladies and gents, thank you very much for listening to Fitzanne's Property Exchange. We will talk again soon. 
This was Fitzan's Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzan.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.